What's up guys, Saf here on Super Saf Speaks and welcome to episode number 7 of the podcast with myself, your host Super Saf and your co-host Thunder E from Board at Work and today we are going to be talking about the battle between Samsung's Exynos 2100 versus the Qualcomm Snapdragon 888 We've got two variants of the Samsung Galaxy S21s and this is a conversation that keeps on coming up and it's something a lot of you guys have been asking about to cover. We'll then be talking about a huge, huge leak around the OnePlus 9 Pro. I mean, we've got some very detailed pictures and lots of what's supposed to be revealed soon is already revealed. Tesla has bought $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin, which has sent the price of Bitcoin surging. Let, let's talk about what this really means, what the implications are there. And Xiaomi has made yet another concept device announcement, and that is of this waterfall display device that has curves on all sides, top, bottom, left, right. Very interesting. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, then please do leave it a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really does help out. And we have also got some questions from you guys. So we'll be mentioning who has been asking those questions on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Super Sass Speaks on both of those. Right, so E, the first thing we wanna talk about is the whole Exynos versus Qualcomm. To, to give people some background, um, traditionally Samsung devices will have pretty much exactly the same hardware, almost, I'd say 90% there, but the one difference based on your region is the chipset, the, the, the thing that's powering the device. So traditionally it's uh, Exynos for European and Asian regions, and then there is the Qualcomm version for the US. And I'd say pretty much consistently over the past few years, Qualcomm has always exceeded Exynos for quite some time. But this year, things do seem to be a little bit different. So the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra, both myself and E do have the Exynos as well as the Qualcomm version. And we've been doing lots of tests. E has actually done a very detailed comparison and spent a lot of time doing a gaming test. Uh, our good friend Tom, the tech chap, has also done a detailed comparison. So E, considering that you have actually spent a lot of time and <laughs> we've been on the back and forth on the phone as well, because uh, I'm still working on my full review in which I'll be covering my experience with both devices. I've had my SIM card for two weeks in one and then I'll have my SIM card in the other for uh, you know a similar amount of time as well. What has been your experience? Yeah, so this one has been an interesting one because, um, you know, once I dropped my video, there were so many comments, people going back and forth. Some people were talking about, you know, other people's videos, whether it was, it was you know, uh, Tom or, you know, Mr. Who's the Boss and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing that a lot of people are not realizing, right? So yeah. I've got the Snapdragon, which is beautiful, black is sexy. And uh, I've got the, you know, the uh, Exynos, which is in Phantom Silver. Now, I did my gaming test and I did it in a couple of ways. My video of the test, I ran about four to five minutes of gameplay for each device and mm -hmm. different games. And I found it to be the equal amount in terms of frames per second and stability and even temperatures. They were roughly around the same, slightly mm -hmm. higher than others. Temperatures on the Exynos were slightly higher during mm -hmm. that gameplay period, but not by much, like two degrees higher. So Snapdragon was doing around, say, 108 degrees, 109 degrees Fahrenheit, roughly between 42, 43. Exynos was doing about between 109 to, say, 112, so basically 42 to 45. I like that you converted it to Celsius, otherwise I would have cut off this call. 
I tried to. I tried to. I remember that. A lot of people ask me about that too. So I, yeah, I've got a, I've got a gauge that I can actually press a button and it switches, it switches the. Uh, just, just do Celsius. <laughs> Don't do Fahrenheit. Let's, let's not entertain. Uh, let's not entertain Fahrenheit. Let's, let's all yeah. convert. What, what yeah. I, what, uh, this is a complete side note, but it's, 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 it's so awesome because all my U.S. friends. So you know, we're talking E, uh, David Kogan, the Unlocker, uh, Jenna, Isaric. Um, whenever we're speaking, <laughs> they'll. Bless them, they'll always convert to Celsius for me, right? And part of that is because they know that's the that's the right way to. I mean, it is, it is. As, as a Nigerian, yeah. I know it is the right yes. way to to my give brother. readings. Um, there you go. Now, so that was that was my uh, my short. I mean, shorter gameplay video. So a lot of people say, "Hey, mm -hmm. look, what about longer gameplay video?" So I did another video on my gaming channel where I did thirty minutes of gameplay on. Of a game called Genshin Impact, which is a very mm -hmm. graphically intensive game at the highest setting. I, I use the Exynos version, the Snapdragon version, and the iPhone just to throw in a third anomaly in there to show, see how mm -hmm. it performs. Now, the frame rates of the game dropped from the 60 of the Snapdragon down to 51, which is expected over a long period of time uh, mm -hmm. for something that is rising temperature. The frame rate of the Exynos dropped down from 58 to 52. Now, someone also mentioned that, hey, if you turn into low power, if you turn on power saving mode on your Exynos version, you will see an increase in performance. So I did that again for another 30 minutes and it went from 52 frames to 55. What makes me believe is that the Exynos uh, GPU is overclocked and, mm. you know, it, it, it runs really hard so you're getting you're not getting the exact temperatures it should be running at then when i dropped i dropped a short uh youtube short uh just kind of showing people my results and pointing them to the video a lot of people said that hey another youtuber had mentioned that there's a bug that if you turn on an option in developer options in on your Exynos version called GPU Watch. If you turn that on, GPU Watch allows you to see the benchmarks on screen on your device, so you don't mm. have to use an external service. If you turn that on, the frame rates drop from the 55, 52, 55 for the Exynos down to 43, 48. So I ran mm. that. I ran that for about five minutes, six, I did it actually today, five or six minutes, it dropped down. And again, you guys are seeing the results on screen. Don't worry, I'm sharing that with you, so not to worry about that. But it dropped down to 43 to 48 frames per second. So I said, you know what, let me try this again on the Qualcomm version to see if mm. you know GPU Watch will have the same effect. And it has exactly the same effect on the Qualcomm version, which makes me believe that whatever they're using internally for developer options to read the frame rate affects performance of the GPU. Similar to some softwares on PC like Fraps. I used to use Fraps on my PC to record gameplay whenever I'm playing any games on PC. Whenever you yeah. turn Fraps on, here's the thing about Fraps though, when you actually turn Fraps on to record, it drops your frame rate by 10. Even if you're using NVIDIA G-Sync, you lose about five to 10 frames per second off it because the system itself is doing another task other than gaming, so it's going to affect. Yeah, so it's... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So while I was using an external service called GameBench, which is what I use because it's basically using my PC to get the information off the system, it recorded mm. the exact same results as I mentioned, whether I turned GPU watch on or off. So all that said, simply put, the performance is the same gameplay-wise. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a long way of uh, E just saying that it's the same. Well, based on your coverage, based on Tom's coverage, based on the, my testing, what, what I can confidently say is that the performance between the two chips has never been closer compared to what we've seen in previous years. Previous years, there was a clear difference. Now, it's if there is any difference, it's back and forth. You know, it might be a little bit here or there. Is it going to be something that you're going to notice on your day to day? No, I no. very much doubt it. And this is something that, you know, I'm, I'm definitely quite happy about that these have leveled up. One of the things I would say is optimization. There was one game that you played, which was playing at the full 120 frames a second on the Qualcomm, but it wasn't mm. on the Exynos. Now, this is something to keep in mind because Qualcomm 
Snapdragon 888 is a chipset that's a lot more widespread. It's a lot more popular. It's going to be used not only for Samsung devices, but also for the Xiaomi's, for the OnePluses. So naturally, developers will optimize for this chip more and quicker potentially compared to the Exynos, right? So that is possibly an advantage that you might get on the Qualcomm. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I mean, that might be an advantage, but I don't think it's even that long because it's a Samsung device, which is still the most yeah. sold device on the Android ecosystem. So, mm. yeah, and even, even with games, for instance, we've got, it all depends on development, some partnerships. So certain games run at like 90 frames per second. PUBG does that, not yet on, on Samsung devices because they mm. had that deal with OnePlus. You know, yeah. and Fortnite does 120 on the uh, was well, sorry was doing 120 on the iPhone. Uh, it still does, but again, that was something they did on the iPhone first, and they haven't done yet on Android devices. Okay, you know? so so again, so, I mean, it, it all depends. There, there's a lot of factors there, but generally, what we're saying is performance-wise, you're going to get similar performance on both. Now, when it comes to battery life, it's interesting because when I initially got my Exynos version. I had very mixed results for battery life. And I remember I mentioned this to you as well, and I was kind of like asking a few friends around because my results seemed really off. But then I got an update, right? And as soon as I got the update, boom, battery life was excellent. I was getting through the day absolutely fine, leaving, finishing the day with about, I'd say 30%. Now, having used the Qualcomm version for, I'd say over a week now, it's very difficult to see what the exact quantifiable difference of battery life is i mm -hmm. think it's very minimal once again tom actually did a detailed battery test which took him days um and again bless respect bless to tom. bless <laughs> bless tom for actually putting the putting the hours in to test the battery life and the qualcomm version did perform slightly better now it wasn't like a massive amount i think it lasted around 20 minutes or so um I would say, roughly speaking, you might get around five, maybe ten percent better battery life at a push on the Qualcomm version, but it's it's something that I don't think most people will notice. It's definitely not as significant as what we've had in previous years. Um, I can say straight away when it came to my Note 20 Ultra, when it came to my S20 Ultra, those devices, the Qualcomm versions, clearly had I'd say around at least fifteen to twenty percent better battery life, right, compared to the um, Exynos version but this seems to again be something that Samsung has really worked on trying to sync up and has made some improvements here for battery life as well so you still will get really good battery life on the Exynos as far as we can see from our tests. No, no I, I definitely agree with you I think I think it's going to continue to improve because one of the things that I think Samsung is working on is the GPU just the higher GPU clock speed and that that whole test of just going to power saving modes and I'm getting better performance mm. uh, leads me to believe that they've just haven't fine-tuned that well. And plus, they're working with AMD for their next GPU for Exynos. So we could see that leapfrog, if you will. That would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, another area as well is cameras. Um, I've done lots of side-by-side -side testing. I'm not noticing a huge deal of difference. Maybe there's some minor differences between the cameras but I think with software updates, they'll be more and more in sync because yes, we're using different ISPs, image signal processors on the different devices because of the chipsets, but the hardware is the same. The software processing that's coming in is also the same. So I think this is something that yes, you might see slight differences, but I don't think it's going to be anything major. Uh, let me ask a question. This, this is for you and then you know we can move on. Hmm. With that whole deal of AMD processors coming into Exynos, you know, chipsets, right? Hmm. Do you think this is the start of Samsung's move away from Qualcomm fully? Because again, with, with these things, right, you just mentioned, even the, some people argue those minor differences, you know, the 5 to 10% or, or even the slight camera difference is something that, honestly, you don't get that from an iPhone, right? Or even a OnePlus, because the OnePlus is using purely a Qualcomm chipset, right? Mm. Um, you don't get those differences. Do you think that's the beginning of the end of this long partnership that Samsung has held? I mean, it could well be, because the thing is, okay, so for me, consistency is important. And in my Note 20 Ultra review, I specifically said there, look, sure, 
I'm sure there's supply issues and everything that goes into it, which is why they have to use two different chipsets. But I don't like that inconsistency. We're in 2021, we have an international market. If you are gonna be using different chipsets for different devices, which are gonna result in differences between the devices, then you cannot label them the same device. Call the Exynos version the Note 20 Ultra E. I don't know, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not paid to come up with the names of this, but that, that was my point. Now, consistency for me is important. Whether you're getting the Exynos, whether you're getting the Qualcomm, it needs to be consistent across the board. Now, it would work out cheaper for Samsung on the whole if they're using in-house chipsets, mm -hmm. right? That's just Absolutely. the way it works. If you've got something in-house, it's gonna work out cheaper. And if they can manage to do that on a global scale, if they can um, you know, supply those chipsets for everybody, then it would not only make sense for Samsung, who would be saving a lot of money, potentially passing on some of those savings to the consumers. I'm just saying, possibly. Yeah. But it would also be better for consumers because then you've got consistency across the board. So whether you're sitting in the US, whether you're sitting in the UK, and again, I wanna emphasize that this is 2021. You know, it's, the, it's not like you're never gonna come across other people who use a, the same device but are getting different results. You've got guys like us, <laughs> who do test uh, devices from different markets and put them up against each other to show you the consumers what you're paying for. And it would definitely make sense. So I think there's there's a strong possibility. Uh, again, I don't understand the full logistics behind that and how that would work uh, because you know they're making the Exynos chips, but they're still going with the Qualcomm chips in the US. Maybe there's more to that uh, in the yeah. background. Yeah, yeah, it might be. It might also be political as well. Yeah, could be, could be. There's there's a lot that goes into it, especially when you're working with massive corporations like this. But what we're, what we're saying in conclusion is from our testing, if there is any difference, it's very minor. Generally speaking, this year, it looks like Samsung has definitely upped the game on the Exynos side. And in most cases, it's going to give you similar performance to the Qualcomm Snapdragon 888. Rest assured. Right, now let's talk about a huge, huge leak around the OnePlus 9 Pro. Now, this leak actually came from a, from not the usual sources. So we've seen some renders from uh, on leaks for the OnePlus 9, but we hadn't seen any leaks for the OnePlus 9 Pro. Along comes uh, Dave <laughs> Lee, Dave2D, around the weekend, and Supposedly, somebody got in touch with him on his Discord, Dave2D Discord, and claimed to have exclusive high-resolution pictures of the OnePlus 9 Pro, which is still some time away as far as we know. And as far as we can see, these pictures do look legit. They're very high-resolution, detailed, and I mean, I can pretty, I can pretty much say 99% they are the actual images of the OnePlus 9 Pro. Now, there's a few key things that we can see from these um, images. Again, they're not renders, they, they are actual images. So they actually match up with the design language that we've seen on renders from the OnePlus 9 regular. However, there's a key thing on the OnePlus 9 Pro on the camera modules, and that is the Hasselblad logo. Hasselblad is a camera manufacturer, mainly around um, medium format cameras, very expensive, very well known in the game, very high quality cameras. And it seems like OnePlus will be partnering with Hasselblad at least for the OnePlus 9 Pro. And this is, this is big because obviously it's not cheap mm -hmm. to partner with a company like Hasselblad but also because OnePlus has traditionally not been known for having the best cameras in the market. Now, granted, on the OnePlus 8 Pro, they did up the game quite a bit, and the OnePlus 8 Pro did have, overall, very good cameras. However, it still wasn't at the level of the Samsungs and the iPhones. Will this partnership with Hasselblad actually mean anything, or is it just paying a bunch of money to Hasselblad so they can slap the logo on <laughs> and get some, uh, well, hopefully get some uh, get some recognition for it. And that is the question. So we've seen the likes of Huawei partnering mm -hmm. with Leica, and that's yeah. been a long-term partnership. And, you know, Huawei do make some excellent 
smartphone cameras, right? So it could be argued that that partnership has helped because then they've had the photography expertise, at least maybe not the video side of things, but at least the photography expertise of Leica into their cameras. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this first E, do you think the Hasselblad partnership with OnePlus will, will actually result in much better imagery on the OnePlus 9 Pro? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And I know there are people who are out there going to say, but Motorola partnered with Hasselblad, you know, uh, for the the little Moto, uh, the Moto Mod thing. Mm-hmm. And and I will put that aside as it wasn't a full partnership. It was also let's kind of mix something and throw it out there. This mm-hmm. looks like at least this looks like to me, it's something similar to what uh, Huawei did. And I think also OnePlus knows everybody knows that while we actually did go out reach out to like uh, work with them on these stuff and OnePlus I, I, I believe they're a smart enough company to at least do just as much hmm. and I think yeah. that's I will give them credit for that I mean they've grown up as a company I think they've they've gone far away to do just as much and I think the position in there they will give you is Hopefully it turns out that way because there was no Hasselblad logos on the OnePlus 9 but on the Pro mm. to tell you that this is a Pro camera. It, it, it's kind of in the sense of how the Sony uh, Xperia Pro is. Forget the price of that camera, but we do know that's a Pro camera. Like that's really set up as being Pro. Separates right? it. Yeah. Very separated. So I think that's even what OnePlus is trying to do here because, again, all their devices will have a Snapdragon triple eight, right? Uh, they will have all the specs. They may, one may not have wireless charging, one may have, but but when it comes to camera, which is what everybody wants, it's the same thing like Samsung says, you know, you've got a 100x zoom. And, you know, this year they've improved the zoom quite a bit. Uh, yeah. There's that separation of that you've got, you've got a 5x telescope and you've got a 10x telescope. The regular S21 and the 21 plus doesn't have that so that's what they're trying to do as well as separation in there yeah in that so so i'll agree with you with the pro because if we look at the one plus eight and the one plus eight pro there was a significant difference in cameras i did a full comparison and i actually tested the cameras and the one plus eight kind of seemed like a checkbox essentially which was hey look we're still offering offering you a cheaper device right but the camera hardware seemed to be pretty much the same as what we had on the OnePlus 7T from yeah. the year before, and it still had a two megapixel macro camera, which was just <laughs> blah. You, um, you don't like those macros, don't you? Oh man, no, man, no. we're gonna have to talk about the whole two megapixel macro situation in in, in in an upcoming podcast for sure. But yeah, the OnePlus 8 Pro clearly it was different. It had. It's, for instance, the ultra-wide camera was actually using the sensor of the main camera from the OnePlus 7 Pro last year. So, you know, they, they had definitely made a lot of improvements there. I think it's definitely positive and I'm looking forward to it because it's also Hasselblad's reputation on the line. So I think from yeah. Hasselblad's side of things as well, they are going to work closely with OnePlus. They're going to obviously have their guys on board kind of looking at the results coming from the cameras, looking at how they actually, how, how the cameras give that Hasselblad look, should look, we say, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's certainly a very, very positive thing. And I'm, I'm excited. I think it's something that OnePlus needs, again, because they've always kind of fallen short for the camera side of things. You know, performance right on board battery all of these things screens again they've been doing really well with the you know the the high refresh rates they were the, one of the first to come with a 90 hertz display it's just the camera thing is just holding them back and I'm, I'm hoping this partnership with Hasselblad will push that forward now the leak is it definitely looks like a leak because you know th- th- there's some leaks that seem as though maybe they've just kind of like pushed them themselves right uh, and a lot of people talk about this where do brands actually deliberately leak a few things just to kind of get a bit hype, get a bit of talk? You know, people mm-hmm. people start talking about it. Uh, all publicity is good publicity. However, also, it, this it really helps with the does, letdown as well. It, it it does partly, but generally, you know, I, I think a lot of brands don't mind a few leaks here and there because you know it, it does get a lot of hype around the products. 
But this really does not seem like one of those leaks. This seems like a genuine mess up. Somebody's really messed up in terms of, you know, getting these uh, and getting them over to a prominent YouTuber like Dave2D as well. Um, and a big surprise, which I think they would have wanted to keep up until the announcement that partnership with Hasselblad has now is everywhere, right? Yeah. So uh, I wonder, I wonder how <laughs> OnePlus is trying to do damage control right now. Um, it, it's a hard thing. I, th I think what it is is because it's from at least all indications the launch is going to be maybe I don't know end of March, maybe April. Who knows? But it's not. It's not now, right? It's not. Soon. It's definitely not now. It's yeah. not soon. So, I mean, that's just rumors. So if that's the case, then, you know, there's no need to say anything now. And I think, I think you, just let, you just have to let it go. Like, if you do anything now, you're claiming, and then it ruins, it fully just destroys everything. I think what you should do is add a little extra element into the presentation, not the features, because whatever features you have, you have, but give some give some extra elements to that presentation that says this is what it is and this is why you know that partnership went into play because even if you think about it too i mean i don't know i can't remember how the leak came out for for huawei and leica but it was also early too for that mm. one as well um i just can't remember exactly how because that's about like four or five years ago or something like that, that. was a long time ago yeah yeah, yeah, so. yeah so but i know even i remember when we first heard it for the p20 when we heard it we're like hmm are you sure? You know, it's like this mm -hmm. is interesting. And then, and then, if I were, if I were, if I were uh, OnePlus, I would actually reach out to YouTubers. This is me on the business side, and do some work with them who do camera videos. Just you know, do it like a day in the life or something like that. Like, give me, you go use it, and so we can drop those videos in. Like, it's already there. You know, people yeah. can see. It's not just the hype of Hasselblad. It's like, oh, okay. Or or like even they usually do, get some professional photographers too, right? And some videographers and say, hey, go play around with it and come back and add that to your to your presentation. Yeah, yeah let's see. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited. Obviously, there'll be some super soft style camera comparisons coming up on the channel as soon as the OnePlus 9 Pro is out. And we'll really see what the day today is and how the cameras perform not only from you know, just photos, but also videos. We'll look at, we'll look at all the different aspects, but I'm excited. I think it's going to be a, a, another big hitter coming up and um, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Mm, same here, man. Let's talk about Tesla. Now, this is something that a lot of uh, the followers have actually asked questions about. So we had, I am smart 21 asking about Tesla and Bitcoin. And on Twitter, we had um, uh, a, a few followers actually uh, asking about the whole crypto situation. It seems like that's something that's very interesting to a lot of people. We've got Asif asking about cryptocurrency. Uh, we've also got um, Dawood asking about cryptocurrency. This is a big, big topic. Now, Tesla obviously made a big move and bought $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin that sent the price of Bitcoin, the value of Bitcoin surging to around $46,000. It is currently 47,000. 47. So it's like plus. seven, it's like 17 to 20% increase, right? It's, it's a pretty big increase uh, of value. And obviously when you've got a company like Tesla and, you know, the, the, the name of Elon Musk kind of backing this, this currency, it's obviously going to have an impact. Not only that, Tesla has also said that they will soon be accepting Bitcoin as payment for Teslas. That now also normalizes Bitcoin a lot more because, of course, Bitcoin has been used as a payment method for a long time, but mainstream, not everybody accepts it. Now, yeah, a car company like Tesla accepting Bitcoin again solidifies the confidence in Bitcoin that now you can go out and you can actually buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. So there's a few things I want to talk about here. Mm -hmm. Firstly, um, Bitcoin itself, right? How, how it just kind of went from nothing to now being 
this huge force, but also the confidence people have in Bitcoin, especially after the whole GameStop crisis and how much people are now not confident with Wall Street, the dollar, the pound, just general currency, how people are just not confident with those, you know, the traditional form of currency and cash, right? Yeah. And this, this obviously this move and how that impacts it. So, you know, E being, being, being a, the finance man, being the money man, <laughs> what are your what are your initial thoughts on this all right so first off i want to say that i do not give financial advice this is not in any way financial advice i'm just telling you what i think and also i'll tell you some of the things that i've done as well okay uh, so disclaimer to- i mean he's given disclaimer of course we always whenever we, we talk about finance and stuff we are not financial experts we are just two guys on youtube talking <laughs> on, on on podcasts just talking about this stuff it's purely taken as infotainment do not go out and say because ian saf said i went and spent all my money on bitcoins now it's all gone okay no, that's the disclaimer no, no. out the way there I'll back over to you e. yeah so so with bitcoin i think w- what we've seen is um and i've i've kind of noticed it but even i myself have been slow to get into the bitcoin market I finally bought Bitcoin today. I will honestly admit it. Um, some Bitcoin, parts of a Bitcoin. You can buy parts of Bitcoin. You, you can buy the whole thing if you can afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a lot of people, I think, are hedging the market. And again, you talked about lack of confidence and uh, there's also a lot of cash flowing around uh, in terms of investor cash flowing around. And because of the way Bitcoin is right now, where there's a limited supply of Bitcoin, it feels like gold. A lot of you, you probably hear a lot of comparisons to gold, and I kind of look at Bitcoin that way. I think it's the gold of this generation. The, the digital generation is looking at it as their digital gold. That's mm. the most simplistic way I'll put it. There's a lot of things to go around it. The reason I say this is because, um, you know, uh, the last month or so, I've gone in a bunch of clubhouse rooms, listening to people who are you know, in crypto, and their mindset and the way the crypt- cryptocurrency works is so different from the regular financial markets. It, it, it almost sometimes seems like they don't cannot coexist, although they mm. can, because there's more freedom, there's more transparency, and it's you controlling your money. That's mm. that's one of the things about it. So um, uh, it's not easy. Think about it this way. You can't go anywhere right now to just go buy a bar of gold. Even if you had the money, like you, there are certain processes you must take hmm. to buy a bar of gold. So, so you just need to go to Colonel Singala and he will <laughs> deal direct bars of gold to you. <laughs> I'll, I'll just let you know that it might be painted. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you look at Bitcoin, you can open up a Coinbase account, mm-hmm. transfer your money and buy. Boom. Like Easy I can buy, so if I had the money with crypto, I can buy it today. They, you know, they've, they've really made it that easy, especially Bitcoin. As opposed to gold, I would have to go to a bank, I would have to pay fees, I might have to do certain things. I, I don't even know the process myself. Honestly, I don't. So it's, it's that difference right there. The other thing too is a lot of companies have been hedging. So um, Tesla making this big jump is something that another company which I bought into uh this year, and I, I was really sad at myself because I should have bought their stock last year. It's called MicroStrategy. Uh, they are a tech company. They have a good business, but some at some point last year, I believe, or the year before, they decided to take all their cash and buy Bitcoin and basically say, because in their minds, the, everybody has been talking at least for the last year or two that Bitcoin will reach 100,000, right? There's been, that, there's been that chatter, right? So the thinking was, if we have cash, even if we put it in a bank, we probably might get an 8% interest. But if we drop it in Bitcoin, we could get more than that, but you know, mm. by far, right? So they've done that. And, uh, you know, I think Tesla looked at this and said, like, you know, Tesla is a company that's in a very funny predicament. Their valuation is higher than what the company is worth. I own Tesla's stock. I look at the balance sheets. I look at what they're doing and I go, I like the company, but I don't think it's disvalued. I'm, you know, it, to me, the fundamentals don't meet. 
So to I think they're doing this as a way as one to edge those fundamentals. No, I mean just on a pure pure basis of how many cars they are producing as opposed to their competition. I mean, still, Elon himself yeah. said that te- <laughs> Tesla stock is overvalued. <laughs> exactly, I'm right? sure he tweeted something out right, and then it had a slight hit on on, on the on the share price, the but then he just carried on growing again. So now, put it this way: now, when you buy in Tesla stock, now the stock is not just the stock; it also has Bitcoin. So it's got mm. two two things that are now adding extra value to it as well. It's not just the so as a company now they they have two sources of revenue: one car and one is Bitcoin. Literally, mm. just like that, because the value will keep it's going just up. Keep going up. Keep going on. Right. So when Tesla, here's the thing that uh, some people won't realize: since I own Tesla and I own MicroStrategy, uh, I bought MicroStrategy when it was about five hundred dollars this month. It's been slowly rising up. When Tesla bought it, it went from nine hundred dollars, which was Tesla bought it. Tesla bought Bitcoin yesterday or the day before, right? Hmm. Monday. Yeah. They bought it on Monday. They bought it on Monday. It was about nine hundred and something. MicroStrategy is now $1,200 per share. Ooh. So that's going up from 500 last month to... Yeah, exactly. This is solely... Wow. Be, I mean, not because they've put out any crazy numbers. It's because they have... Ten, they, I think they still have more Bitcoin than Tesla, but they took all their available cash and bought Bitcoin. So people are going, huh, these guys have more stock, more Bitcoin than Tesla. Maybe we should invest in them. So it's driving the stock. But again, that and the idea of Tesla owning Bitcoin has now changed the market. And with Tesla also accepting Bitcoin for for vehicles, it means mm. that you know uh, one of the things that it does is is the simplicity of the simplicity of Bitcoin or crypto is that now, now it's hard to mine Bitcoin. But just if you think of it, the idea is like I could stay at home, mine my Bitcoin, get one Bitcoin. Uh, and eventually just walk down the street and go to Tesla and say, here's my coin. I mean, not like you're physically giving it to them, but it's the, yeah, yeah. It's the one thing that you made yourself by mm-hmm. mining. Now, granted, that's not the case anymore, but the ability to just take the Bitcoin and transfer it. There's a YouTuber that I watch who does, I've forgotten his name, Andre. He does uh, financial advice and magic tricks, really cool stuff. And yeah. he made a video yesterday and he's like, man, Tesla bought Bitcoin. He predicted it uh, last mm. year. Um, yeah. And But he, he goes like, finally, I can buy a Tesla. Because, not because he, he doesn't, he didn't have the money, but he's like, now nah, I can just use my Bitcoin and buy a Tesla. You know, mm. that, that's, that's his thinking. And even today, one of my buddies, uh, Warren, was like, you know, his portfolio in crypto went up. And he's like, and I was like, you buying Tesla? Are you buying some more Bitcoin? He's like, hmm, I don't know. This, again, that's what he's doing for regular people. But it, the thing is, it's a very interesting and dynamic world that you, I will always advise everyone, do your homework, study before you even think of jumping in. Because it's not as straightforward as some people would describe. You know, it's something that you have to understand what the fundamentals are, at least mm. to what you're buying with anything you buy, whether it's stock, whether it's crypto. Why is that crypto going up? You know, um, and there's so many things to it that actually add a lot. Yeah, I think right now there is the whole uh, retail uh, investor craze and, you know, seeing the whole GameStop situation and Tesla buying Bitcoin, it's very easy to kind of get roped in and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to put some money on this. And (laughs) remember, you can always lose money. I personally don't, I still haven't invested in anything. It's just way over my head. And even from somebody like me, so it's like, I just, I'm still not at a point where I'm confident enough to start putting money down for these things, even though I've got, you know, E for, for advice if I need. So be very careful there. What's interesting for me now is obviously by Tesla and Elon Musk making this big, bold move, what are other companies going to do? Is this now going to have a domino effect like your friend Andre is his name that was saying in his video? Yeah. Is this going to have a domino effect where companies are going to see? Because we've already seen rumors that Apple is going to buy like 2.7 billion worth of Bitcoins. You know, there's rumors floating about about that yeah I, I don't i don't think that i don't think that will happen with apple i mean it, it's nice i think what a lot of that is is speculation driven because a lot of the so right now what's happening in the crypto world is you're looking at bitcoin futures so there's a futures market where there's a prediction of where the price would be and basically you you basically bet on that uh there's mm. a futures for like futures have always been good with commodities so, you know mm. for instance futures market for uh orange 
orange orange fruit and it's very it's very good because you can actually do the calculation of how many farmers are farming orange what's the weather like this time of the year and do you think we will get this kind of yield so that's what it was always for bitcoin mm-hmm. futures i don't know how with crypto will work because then again it's it's different but it's the cascading effect that andrew was talking about where um because one player like uh, tesla jumps in then the it'll be easier for the next player because other CEOs will look at it and go, one of the best calculations is this, even though the stock price has kind of dropped down again. Big, when Tesla bought Bitcoin for $1.5 billion, Tesla's stock went up from 80, 840 to about 860 or so, which gave them roughly $2 billion in value. So basically what they spent <laughs> has been already They've recovered already in some value. Okay. Right now, the, the stock has dropped back down to 840, just reflecting almost like the, the market is reflecting the cost that they've spent. Right. Hmm. But it means that now the market is waiting for that value to go up. Now that Bitcoin prices is going up, then that value should come back again. So what's going to happen is you're going to see other CEOs looking at it and go, hmm. hmm, OK. Now, why a lot of people are talking about Apple is because Apple has between Apple, Microsoft, and I'll say Google, uh, they have the most amount of liquid cash to spend. And I think what what's probably going on in the conversation is what are the tax ramifications? This is the most important thing for firms. They don't care about anything else, <laughs> is what are the tax ramifications and how does this help us by if we put our money in crypto, do we pay less? And can we draw it out from any different country and say, for instance, if we buy crypto from US and we draw it out in Ireland where, for instance, like I know Apple and Microsoft have like no taxes over there and then we pay no taxes <laughs> for that money, right? I used to always, you know, just side note, I used to always wonder, you know, when I started getting AdSense, money right and i'd get a check i just always wonder why it was from google island so you know obviously i was just a kid and i was like i wonder why they're doing it from ireland why don't they just have it from the uk and then it all made sense it's like obviously they don't want to pay any bloody tax (laughs) yeah so so that's the thing i think that's what you're you're probably seeing right now and once that happens you're going to see companies honestly if if apple jumped in and bought 2.5 billion which is is still obviously probably them that would be about five to ten percent of the uh, liquid cash value or even probably less i'm not exactly sure how much cash they have right now but if they even if they did that even if they did the same amount as tesla like 1.5 or 2 billion or 2.5 bitcoin bitcoin would to the moon we would probably hit 60 in no time but here's the big part that I think a lot of people don't realize. Bitcoin is the big sexy uh, crypto that everyone talks mm. about. Mm. Ethereum is the crypto that runs everything. Mm. So the, there's so many different coins out there and all those coins are, are either an offshoot or basis or they use part of Ethereum to run it. When you're going through non-Bitcoin exchanges, so non-exchanges are basically, your standard exchanges are like Coinbase. It's almost like the, a standard clearinghouse where you can do all your um, you know transactions and stuff. The non-standard uh, Bitcoin exchanges, which are like for for smaller cryptos and things that haven't reached a certain status yet, for you to do those transactions, you use Ethereum to do those, those transactions. Mm. So Ethereum yeah. is the what runs right now runs the world of crypto. I I was equated to like Ethereum is like the dollar. I'm not saying it's it's its value is higher than the dollar. I think Ethereum right now is a thousand seven hundred US dollars to one Ethereum coin. But mm. it's the backbone of crypto right now, the way I see mm. it. So that's the one. Once, once, if Tesla does Bitcoin first and then they do Ethereum, it is. That, that, I think <laughs> at that point you're you're gonna now start seeing the gold rush where everybody goes like, "Whoa, I can I can okay. get into this," you know. And I mm. think I think we're in that precipice where a lot of people, even if you don't buy crypto, right? Even if you're not buying crypto, I would suggest to you go and learn about the crypto market. Understand the basics from like, honestly, Bitcoin, Ethereum is the best places to start. Just understand the basis of how they work, yeah. what they work, what what's all the what's a crypto wallet, all those kind of things. Because eventually, we're going to have a situation where you know we're hearing things like China is trying to build their own crypto because they want to supersede the dollar. Now, they've tried different things by having two different currencies in China. There's a local currency and then there's an external currency. So with crypto, they feel like they can jump ahead. So mm. having, 
having an understanding of what that means for you, how to buy. And China's already ready there where there's no, ca- I mean, there's very limited amount of cash payments in China. Everything is 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 traceable. I mean, you know, it's, it's all it's, digital. It's all done through apps. As in, I, yeah. I was, uh, I read an article where I believe in, because of the whole COVID situation and cash now becoming less and less um, popular, I mean, where I live, most restaurants only only accept cash. Well, they used to only accept cash because you know, I wonder why the the ca- the card machine has been broken for five years. <laughs> but um, I believe like the stats here in in the UK, um, I don't know, it's something like three in five transactions are made via cash, whereas in China it's uh, it's one in every five. Um, so already yeah. the the the, the non cash. Um, transactions through like the likes of WeChat, etc., are much, much more prominent more. compared to actual cash. So a lot of people just don't use. Actual yeah, cash. see, re- remember when Facebook was trying to make that crypto years ago? Mm. This was this was about four years ago, and it, this fell down for two reasons. One was the whole Facebook fiasco with with the elections and all that stuff oh, in the US. I think yeah. it's like four or five years ago. And then also the fact that Facebook didn't have like, a, their image started just going downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at it now and like Facebook, Facebook had the greatest opportunity to rule the world and they failed. Because, <laughs> what, because what would have happened is if they created their own crypto, they would have tokenized their crypto to 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 users, right? Mm. And then you start using that to trade with other companies and before you know it, you will have a Facebook account with like Facebook, Facebook coin, FB coin or whatever you want to call it, right? And then you can use FB coin to buy on the Play Store. And you know, Facebook will now tell you that they're paying for your content by paying you through FB coin, which costs them nothing, uh, but yes. has, they, but yeah. exactly, but has value for you to go and buy apps and things like that. Hmm. Well, they messed up there. I mean, it's, this is it's, it's super interesting, the whole Bitcoin situation. I mean, if you asked me a few years ago, I was like, eh, it's this way. But now you can see that it's seriously becoming a real player, and especially with how the market's going and how a lot of people are no longer confident in actual cash and how a lot of these bankers keep messing up and keep getting bailed out and you know the value of the cash just keeps dropping right and it's just like okay now you need something that's independent um and something like bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies really come in do you think bitcoin is just going to keep on rising is there going to be a a, a dip soon do you think again Um, this is not advice guys i just want to clarify again we're just kind of speculating I mean, I mean, I was I was chatting with uh, Warren today, and we're talking about that. And Warren was like, "I'm waiting for." He was like, "I'm waiting for uh, uh, Tesla to take a hit." I'm like, "Yeah, it will come for the stock, but I think I think them buying Bitcoin hedges that that off." Um, but I think in terms of Bitcoin itself, it's gonna go. There's gonna be you know little dips, rises, dips, and rises. I think it will. I think the crash will come at 100k. I think we'll have a pause around between 60 to 65k where it's going to stabilize for like a good part of the year and people are like, okay, crypto, uh, Bitcoin is now $65,000 or whatever the means. And then we'll see a rush at some other point in time where it rises up. And my own, my own at least mental prediction is that once it gets close to 100, I, like, I think it's going to crash at that point. I think it's just going to crash and then bounce out. And I think it will probably rest around like 60,000, 70,000. You're going you're gonna to get a rise and just a huge dip. Mm. Because crypto, you see dips like that. And that's the one thing that Warren taught me with crypto. He just said, you're going to see crashes. Just don't pay attention. This is not the stock market where you, you're, you've just gone yeah. like, because yeah, it's, it's, just... based, it's based on a company, right? And you're like, I don't think that company can come back. The, the crypto market is, is a little bit different because it has yes. nothing to do with those kind of physical things. It'll, it'll be fun if we kind of look back at this and kind of we'll, we'll, we'll look back at this clip of your predictions and see how, how things have actually gone. Right, so we'll we'll look back at this in a year. Hey, it's just predictions. I'm just I'm just saying. And then if you get yeah. it spot on, then everybody's uh-huh. gonna be like, you're gonna start a new channel. Singala <laughs> <laughs> Finance. Singala Finance. New channel's gonna be up and coming, and everybody's gonna be coming for Singala advice. But yeah, uh, Singala uh, only takes Bitcoin, by the way. 
one yeah, full only, Bitcoin. only Bitcoin. Yeah, the 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 gold bars is, is all news now. Uh, but yeah, very interesting, and we'll be keeping up to date, and we'll see where all of this goes. Right now, I want to talk about Xiaomi. Xiaomi is being interesting because they keep dropping these concepts, which seem either far in the future or seem like just concepts for them for the sake of getting attention right the latest of which is this I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna have to actually refer back to what they are calling it because there's an official name for it i've just been referring to it as the waterfall display but it's the first quad curved waterfall screen concept smartphone the 88 hyper quad curved screen design allows visual interfaces to flow over the phone's surface like water, all right? And this is a unibody, no port design. So this is Xiaomi kind of, again, we talked about the Xiaomi Mi Air Charge in the previous episode, wireless charging, true wireless charging uh, from your device across the room. Now they've kind of come up with this curved, quad curved design of this concept smartphone which i personally think will never actually come to market um, yeah. with, with with the me air charge i'm kind of like you know maybe in a few years we might see it uh, you know an, a different a version of that at least with this i kind of think like yeah it just doesn't seem practical right now a lot of people were like it looks super cool because everything kind of just flows over the edges but they were very clever in their marketing videos because the edges the corners are shaded out quite quite a bit and it's just like okay why are they hiding the corners and they're hiding the corners because the corners look really bad because <laughs> you've got these four extreme curves on the top the bottom the mm -hmm. left and the right but then what happens when they meet on the corners right do they blend into each other no we see gaps right and it does, doesn't look too good when you see those, which is why in all of their marketing videos and everything, they've kind of covered those up. I mean, it's a super dark video though, by the way. It is, yeah. I mean, again, they've done that deliberately. Now, with curved displays, I mean, Samsung were, I would say, the innovators of curved displays. We saw the Samsung Galaxy Note Edge a few years ago, and I remember when I first saw that, I was like, wow, that is so cool. And it was super, super interesting seeing a curved display and it just looked very different. And then, you know, Samsung kind of carried that on and it became their signature design. And then lots of the manufacturers started to do that as well with curved displays on, on either side. You know, we've got the likes of Huawei, we've got Xiaomi mm -hmm. doing lots of these as well. OnePlus is, is another manufacturer that now has a curved displays. So it looks like the OnePlus 9 Pro will also have curved sides on either display. But then that whole hype started to die down, right? People still like curved displays and they like the look of it but i think practicality kind of went against that and if you look at what samsung is doing the ones who actually started the whole trend they're now actually moving away from it so if you look at the samsung galaxy s21 series the s21 and the s21 plus actually have pretty flat displays right the s21 ultra yes it's got slight curves on either side but it's nowhere as significant as what we've had in previous years it's just a very slight subtle curve and most people I think that's kind of like the best. It's kind of like an in-between. It's not too much here or there. Xiaomi doing this extreme curve display on this smartphone with no ports. Because, I mean, if there's screen all around, then, you know, where are you actually going to have a port? So it's like kind of like this portless smartphone. To me, it kind of just looks like Xiaomi is showing off what they can do and what they yeah. are capable of. But... It's purely just to create hype, to get people talking about Xiaomi, and then boom, here's the Mi 11. Here's oh, no, our, absolutely. It is flagship, and that's kind of what the tactic seems from Xiaomi, and especially to the build-up to the Mi 11, which you've checked out, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you're definitely right. I think Jam, uh, Xiaomi has this, um, they have this mindset where, you know, we create a hype of what of what we can do and make this a actually not I wouldn't say just create the hype I'll say they've borrowed this from Razer now okay. Razer as a company for at least 11 times I've gone to CES every year they release a new Razer laptop right 13 inch 15 inch and then they will show you the Razer 
Optimus, the Razor, <laughs> Athena, you know, and it's always cool stuff. They will have a working model right there at CES. Yeah. And, and they, but Razor always tell you, they're like, look, we're a small company and we always try to do this fun stuff, uh, but it lets you guys know that we can do things. And it got people excited. Now, I think this is probably part of that, like either CES or MWC package that they would have showcased and said, you know, here's all we can do. But right now, like you said, have the V11. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think this is obviously a tactic that pretty much all um, major smartphone and just tech companies do in general. They kind of have these concept devices, which actually gets a lot of attention and gets people really talking. Um, you know, take the LG Rollerball, for example. When we went to CES, you know, seeing this Rollerball, and it's just like, whoa, that's super. And, and it, was, it was taking headlines everywhere, right? But then when it actually comes to buying an LG TV, it's like, here's our... Um, uh, dude, here's dude, a- remember, we saw the Rollerball, was it three, four years ago? It only came yeah. out at the end of last year is when it officially came out for... Ridiculously like, expensive price, <laughs> fifty or sixty thousand dollars. But again, it's not, like some, that, yeah. it's not something that people are actually. Well, the general buyer is not going to go out and get. It is just something that creates the hype. Yes, it shows off the technology that LG is capable of. But then you generally will buy a standard, whether that be an OLED uh, LG TV or a nano cell or something like that. That's what you'll actually go and buy. But this is what really catches the headlines and gets people talking about the brand. And even, you know, we were, we were looking at some stats of Samsung devices and the ones they sell the most. And it was some of the A-series devices that they actually the shift the most units. Line. Yeah, yeah, the, the A-50, A50 line. line. They actually shift the most units of that, but it's the Galaxy S series that really gets all of the attention, right? And even if you look at the, I'm sure they sold a bunch of S20 FEs as well last year. I mean, just looking at my affiliates, I was just like, well, okay, thank you, Samsung. <laughs> but because it was just you know you have the, the that's the more affordable option that's the one that most people can get yes you're going to get the enthusiasts like ourselves and yes they will sell quite a few millions of the flagship devices but generally those are the ones that get the headlines get the attention but then people go out and buy the more most people will go out and buy the more affordable option and this seems to be Xiaomi's tactic here they're showing up all these devices and it's working because people are talking about them. I was tweeting about the uh, Mi Air Charge technology, you know, Marquez, um, lots of other prominent tech YouTubers were, were, were talking about this on Twitter. It gets people excited about Xiaomi as a brand. And then, hey, today <laughs> they launched the new Mi 11 or, you know, and, and, and that's kind of what gets the attention. Oh yeah, absolutely. Although it brings something to mind. You were saying that, and I and I part of me went, I kind of miss the simple days of the 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 like the S eight, the S nine, and like the um, you know, was the I guess the iPhone seven was at that time or something like that. Where there, you know, we have. I feel now we have too many variations of devices. You know, like we've got three galaxies, we've got three iPhones, four, sorry, four iPhones. Uh, mm. You know, yeah. I just wish we, I just wish we went back to more simplicity because to me, that simplicity also allows for more of these kind of fun projects that, you know, Xiaomi is doing and everybody does. You know, like even OnePlus did that with the OnePlus that had the, uh, we saw it at CES. Uh, yeah, the 20. ND filter, uh, ND the disappearing filter. cameras that they've done. Stuff like uh, that. The, yeah. the concept devices. Um, I mean, I, I agree with you to a certain extent, but I do like options. And I think, you know, when Apple does something, then you know that it's working for them, right? Because having an iPhone mini now, granted the sales might not have been as high, but a lot of people who want smaller phones but don't want any compromise, hey, you can go for that one. You've got the iPhone 12, which realistically speaking, over time, most people are gonna go for, but then you've got the iPhone 12 Pro, you've got the iPhone 12 Pro Max with the enthusiast. And I think the options are good, although I do agree it can be a little bit overwhelming and a little bit confusing. But then again, like if you look at Samsung, they have always had lots of options and they are still Android's number one smartphone manufacturer in the world, right? And that's because they've got something for everyone. And I think one area where they were really kind of uh, missing out on was that, sort of six to seven hundred pounds six to seven hundred dollar 
uh, range and then along comes the FE and it fills that gap because I think that was the only gap they really had because generally if you wanted something like that you'd probably have to go for um, a device that was a little bit older maybe a few months maybe last year's device and that's the kind of price range you were able to find it then you'd have the obviously the flagships that would be over a thousand but yeah. yeah I personally think options are good but I do agree that it can be a little bit overwhelming with just too many options True, true. I mean, I think it's a fair point in general. Um, I was just hoping for some trim down. I just, I guess, I just kind of missed the like simpler options. The reason I said that is because you were talking about the FE, and I remember I went, I went to T-Mobile store, and this lady came in and she's like, "I need a phone." And bless the guy who's the T-Mobile rep because he walked her through all the phones. I knew where he was going to, and then he ended up at the S20 FE. <laughs> but he, the S20 FE, he went I mean, only that. fans edition, <laughs> as you say. Um, honestly speaking, like, you know, um, Marquez picked that as his um, smartphone of the year uh, on his uh, um, smartphone awards. And, I mean, it was just a very good all-round device, especially for that price range. And, you know, I was saying that it's something that OnePlus should be really worried about because that's kind of usually their sort of uh, area where they dominate, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. the FE coming in sort of really changes that. So I'll, I'm really excited to see what the S21 FE offers um, later on in the year, hopefully. But when it comes to Xiaomi and this waterfall display, sure, it looks cool from some angles. It's not something I would personally buy it's not something that I think would ever actually be released. And yes, to some people it looked cool, but it's definitely not practical. It's, uh, I mean, fair dues to Xiaomi. They, they make up, make these things to get attention and it works for them. So, you know, they'll carry on doing that. I agree. And that's all we have time for, for this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, as always do drop a rating on Apple podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, then, Make sure you subscribe to the channel. If you want to get involved in future episodes, you know, we do take topic suggestions from the viewers. So please do give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at SuperSaf Speaks on both of them. This is Saf on SuperSaf Speaks. And Thunder E from Board at Work. And we'll see you next time.